hey, Jim, look around the room right now. Everyone is here because of you. The moment I heard those words, it changed everything for me. And yet it changed nothing because I truly am what I always felt I was. I'm the connector. That clarity is what brings me to you and what drives this show, the Remote Start Podcast. Here, I connect my lifelong passion for bringing people together with my love of business and branding in hopes that these talks might better connect your community with what your company is all about. So let's figure out your brand. Let's figure out the target audience you want to serve and how we can use these two things to create an incredibly strong community for your business. I'm your host, Jim Doyon. Let's get something started. Remote Star Nation. On this episode, we're going to be discussing one entrepreneur's journey of overcoming obstacles out of her control, scaling quickly, and the problems that came with getting bigger. She's built a business on helping, helping companies to be happy and have fun, and she's using virtual events and experiences to do so. Today, Lee Rubin, founder and CEO of Confetti, is going to be joining us to discuss how to make the most out of your virtual events, as well as discuss her entrepreneurial journey. From startup to raising capital to leaders managing remote teams across the globe, this episode is for you. Lee, welcome to the Remote Start Nation. It's an honor to have you. Jim, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. It's, uh, I've been wanting to interview you for a while. I've been following you on, on LinkedIn, looked at your journey, what you've been on, and I cannot wait to share it with Remote Start Nation. So to get things started, Tell me something that we wouldn't know if we just met you. Ooh, well, you know, there's there's 30, almost two years of lots of stories that uh, we won't be able to get into. But um, I think, you know, one thing that I like to share is that I have a very deep passion for art. And I think that art follows so many elements of our life that kind of are unexpected. It's um, uh, art isn't it, it just falls into so many different buckets. You can put an art into the work that you're doing. You can put art in as a visual uh, context, the ones that we're familiar with, like at a gallery. But I also think, you know, fashion is art and it's another way of expressing yourself. So all different means of, ex of expressing yourself without just like your classic words or things that I'm obsessed with. And right now I'm a big fan of AI art. I don't know if you played around nice. with Mid Journey or any of those. It's super, super fun. That's awesome. What, when you were younger, what was your favorite medium of art? So I first started with pencil and actually okay. kind of cool, like a little childhood story, if I may. But I didn't remember this until my, my mom reminded me, but I didn't do art my entire life until senior year of high school. Wow. And in senior year, my, uh, I wanted to go straight into AP art, um, which is like, you know, the highest level one was like yeah. credit art. And apparently, this is, I don't know, guys, I didn't cry. I didn't double check my mom to make sure that she was telling the truth. But apparently um, the state wrote me a letter saying, hey, you actually can't sign up for APR because you've never done art before in your life. So I had to sign a contract like with the state of Florida to be like, no, I want to do APR. I don't want to do like regular art classes. Like I want to go to the big leagues. <laughs> and so wow. I ended up passing, but uh, I just find it funny. I was like, whoa, I went through all this hoops to go to the the fancy um, art classes. And yeah, I started off with pencil and charcoal, worked my way to sculpture um, and then digital art. And now I'm even doing that AI art stuff, but I'm, I really like to play with all the mediums. It's all That's different. super cool. Have you seen... Have you been able to influence your business and 
what you've done in the past with art and kind of pull that into what you're doing? Absolutely. I think that, you know, the way that I like to put it together is that everything that we do is in, in our lives is an art. This podcast is an art. And so art is a way of, of expressing yourself. It is, it's a value that you want to give. It's a feeling that you want to give. And you can have a feeling and give that with whatever it is that you do in your life. You probably have like gone to a restaurant and then you have like the waiters or the waitresses that are like super charismatic. They're, you're having fun at the table with them. That's an art. And then you have the yeah. boring ones that you're like, oh, you didn't help my dinner experience today. And so I think there's truly an art in absolutely everything from cleaning to uh, hospitality and customer service. There's an art to engineering and coding. It, it really partakes in all of our lives and its own, in, its own, in our own ways. I agree with you so much. I, it's just that creative journey and whatever your escape is and however you want to get into that artistic mode, it's, it's different for everyone. And my, my business before uh, I started our agency was a tattoo lifestyle brand. And my favorite part about it was being surrounded by some of the most incredible artists you could even fathom and being able to work with them on the daily and, and work with them on design. And it was so cool, all the different art mediums. And for a lot of them, Tattooing was their major art source and revenue income, but they were incredible in other mediums that they just weren't known for. And then some of them actually came over from those other mediums and got into tattooing and did really well with it. But yeah, that was, I am with you. Art is present everywhere. And I think it's, I, I'm a huge fan, huge fan of art. So I'm glad we share that. Yeah, I wouldn't want to be a tattoo artist only because I'm like, I don't want to think that kind of responsibility. I like the backspace. I like the whiteout. <laughs> I don't want to be like, that wasn't what you or I was envisioning on your body forever. <laughs> it's so true. So tell me about, tell me a little bit about your entrepreneurial journey. What's your story? Yeah, it's, um, it's, uh, it's definitely a journey. And for anyone who's partaken, whether you're on week one, month one, year one, year 10, whatever it is, it it's, um, makes for a really special story and, and experience. I weirdly always wanted to be an entrepreneur from a very young age. I mean, like my first hustle, apparently, I was like I'm six years old. So uh, it runs really deep. And um, I always had the itch, like as soon as I graduated college, I was like, what is it going to be? When is it going to be? Like, when is it like, I was just like dying for it to happen. Uh, I worked for two different startups um, just to kind of learn. But in between, I was like, Lee, this isn't, we got to, we got to go. We got to make something happen. Um, and Confetti really started when I was at a company called ZocDoc. Um, great marketplace, allows you to help find your doctors online. And I was tasked with um, putting together the team events uh, pretty randomly for, for my own sales team. And we always had to go through like all the mishmash of finding ideas of what to do together, going online on Google, searching endlessly for what vendor could help make this experience happen. And I was like, this is such a pain in the butt to like negotiate with these vendors, deal with the proposal only to like finish the experience, which hopefully, you know, the quality is good because yeah. it's a random person online. Um and I was like, there has to be like a better way to do this. And when I looked to see that there there really wasn't anything, that was kind of like my aha moment that maybe there's an opportunity here. That's um, so awesome. Yeah. So you you saw a need. Tell me how what happened from there. Uh, so I you know I've been with Confetti 
for what's soon going to be 10 years now, which is pretty wild. I I didn't start it as Confetti. I started it as an event planning agency. Okay. Always with the hopes of building it into tech. But back then I was like 22, 23. So quite, quite young on my path uh, in life in general. And I had no idea what I was doing. I think that's a very like important <laughs> thing to know because yeah. I, the first few years, you're really confused. You listen to all kinds of advice and you glorify all these people that you meet along the way that seem more successful. And there's a lot of imposter syndrome and you get pointed in a lot of the bad direction. I have a lot of stories that I can share from that side, but I started off as an event planning agency. I was just like, are there other companies out there that are willing to pay me to help them plan their events? And specifically the HR team building stuff. And I very quickly started working with like the biggest companies. I mean, my first few customers were like Macy's and Booking.com and Etsy. And I was like, holy crap, this pain runs deep. Like people are, people don't even know me. People haven't even, are just sending me money to help them plan these events. So I knew that the pain was there. And after doing it for a while, I was like, okay, I need to help. I need help scaling this. Otherwise, I'm not interested in just being like an event planner. I need tech to yeah. take this vision and bring it to to full life. What age were you that you started, like that realization came, like I need to turn this into a tech play? It, it's, it came very early on to the journey. The thing is, is that um, my first fear, the advice of the people that I took was not good. So uh, one thing that I can kind of, you know, give advice straight off the bat was like, I wasn't a tech person. I didn't know product. I didn't know tech. I didn't know anything about how to build a tech company. And the advice that I was given was, hey, you know, hold on to your equity. Like it's your most important asset. You don't want to give anybody that, you know, what percentage of like 50% of your company if you're bringing on a co-founder. Um, so they were like, bring on an agency, bring on like an outsourced developer. So I found this one guy and I burned a year and a half of my time with him because I just like, he was like, yeah, I'm working, I'm coding, I'm deploying things. And I had no idea how to direct him. I thought deploying was something that takes like weeks long um, it takes minutes. Um, yeah. and <laughs> I just had no idea. I was like, okay, you're still, it's still deploying. Okay. It's still, it's still deploying. Whoa. And he was like, yeah, the deployment didn't go through. We're going to have to wait another three weeks. I'd be like, oh, oh. <laughs> so eventually I was about a year and a half in. I was like, okay, I need a partner, right? a technical partner in this journey. And, um, that's when I moved to Israel and uh, it's a, it's a weird part of my, my story, but I was born in Israel. Israel is a very vibrant, um, tech, uh, ecosystem. Um, so I went there to find a technical co-founder. It's also more affordable to live in yeah. than in New York when you don't really have a salary. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, I went there and, uh, it took me a hundred, um, interviews to find my technical wow. co-founder. But about a year later, I found who to date is still my my co-founder and CTO, Yas Hakim. And um, yeah, we built we built Confetti together. That's incredible. I want to go back for a second because I think this is really important. You're at a young stage of your company. You talk to somebody you thought was a mentor, someone to give you advice. What was the background of that that person? Had they done it to where they 
had a co-founder and maybe it wasn't a good experience or tell, tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, I think the 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 issue was they were technical. So for them, and this is this is always kind of like what happens, like when you know something really well, you could just give someone the bad advice, expecting them to have the same like knowledge or like they're easy. Like I can I draw hyper realism paintings going back to art for a second. And sometimes I look at it like, no, guys, this isn't a skill set. You could do this. Anyone can do yeah. this. It's this is this is like learned. And then other people are like, Lee, no, we can't do that. <laughs> like, this is a skill. And I think that the reality is like tech and product and scaling, all of these are different skill sets. And you have to tune into yourself to be like, does this advice resonate with me? Do I need, can I lead a team of engineers? Does that sound like something that I will be able to constantly know how to do? Or do I need to hire someone who can lead those engineers better than I ever could? And it, I got stuck on the equity piece because like, I don't know, money, you know, everyone's like, everyone wants to keep their um, chips close to them. I think that's the right phrase. I'm always butchering. That could work. (laughs) I was like, why use American Indians when you don't know how to to use them? Um, So, so yeah, I wanted, I wanted to like, you know, money, money, we all care about money and right. the lesson was like equity equals money. Don't give away your equity. And I realized that was just it was bad advice, but they they just knew how to do what I didn't. Right. So right now, if if there's someone listening who's in a they've got a business, it's going, they want to scale it. They want to start tech. They want to bring in something else. They want to hire. What advice would you give them? Delegate. Find great people and delegate. I love that. Yeah. All right. So you brought in a partner. At this point, are you still doing the, you know, are, are you still working in the business constantly or are you, I mean, you're in Israel, you can't be hands-on at events. Full time in Israel, working insanely weird hours. I didn't have a life when I was there. I was daytime, I was recruiting for a CTO, nighttime, I was working on the events business. And, you know, I think what was always interesting is because I always wanted to build confetti with this vision of scale, I never met my customers. I never went to their events physically, even when I lived in New York. So that just continued. The only thing is that during an event where they would have my cell phone number, sometimes I'd wake up at three in the morning to answer and they'd be like, Lee, what's going on here? And I'd be like, let me call the balloon guy. And I'd be like, oh my gosh, I'm so tired. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But yeah, no, it it was all running the business remotely. So at what point, because now you're at what over 60 employees, right? Yeah. So at what point did you hit that kind of like, hey, we're ready to scale, we're here? So I I think another big thing that helped the scale portion was that we got funded. And I think that that's um another kind of important piece to any of the entrepreneurs that are listening. Not every business needs to be a venture funded business. Not every business needs to feel pressured to scale hundreds of percentages uh, a year. Um, In our case, and, you know, like I wanted to go big, like I want to go big. So to me, if you really want to go big, and I'm talking about at least for venture, you have to get to that like 100 million. So you have to get to that billion dollar valuation. You have to go be like aligned that this is the journey that you're going to go on. Venture is the route for you. If you're like, I'm cool with a $10 million business, I'm cool with a $5 yeah. million business, venture isn't for you. And I think that's a really important 
lesson because when I went to fundraise in the beginning stages, people would be like, Lee, you're a lifestyle business. You're not a venture backed business. And I didn't understand what they were talking about. But it was because we hadn't proven the tech and the ability for us to truly scale to the the quantities um, that we have. I know I got a little bit of a, of a tangent right there. No, that's but- honestly, that's great advice. And I I, I, I want to stop and, and think about that for a second. Remote Star Nation, what Lee said was so crucial. Like, it's not for everyone. It's what you want, right? Like, it's what type of business to live your lifestyle the way you want to live it. Because- I mean, you tell me, Lee, I, I, I haven't had a, a funded business. I've, we've all bootstrapped, I bootstrapped both my, my companies, but is it harder? Is it more work? Is it, you know, the same or the same amount of work, like to, to have a, a, a five to $10 million company or try to strive for that hundred million dollar company? Um, they're both hard. And so there's no, there's no easy pass, but they're both hard in on its own ways. And I think that the the hardness kind of looks different. Um, I'm trying to think of like a metaphor of, of what it, of what it could be. But I think, first of all, hard is something that's very subjective. Um, almost going back to the same, like point of like, for me, building an engineering team was hard. Um, for me, doing SEO is hard because I know nothing about it. For other people, it might come naturally. And like for me, sales came easy. Like that was like where my strength was. Um, I think the big thing is that like any business is going to challenge you to to new like heights. I think venture specifically that route is for the people that are borderline psycho. (laughs) And they're like, I want to sacrifice everything to make it big. And if you're not willing to sacrifice everything, piece of you like every moment of sanity to really build the biggest company you can possibly build venture probably isn't the right path for you um the expectations of and the demands that are necessary to just scale a a, such a significant amount in such a short amount of time they're not interested in building a 10 50 million dollar business and they're not interested in doing it in 10 20 years which the average person would be thrilled to build a $20 million business over the span of 10 years, not venture capitalists. So it pushes you to a height where you're like, I think I'm good. I got it. I generate, you know, $10 million, but nope, it's not good enough for this world. Yeah. Uh, it's really just a personal choice. Like bootstrapping is hard, hard. I don't, are we a little curse on this podcast? Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Hard as shit. <laughs> so, it's so hard. <laughs> um, yeah, I and I bootstrap for a long time, but it's it's not the same as the venture route. And um, again, it really depends on each person's appetite. Maybe, by the way, maybe it's hard as shit for me, and maybe it's like easy peasy for some of the other folks that are listening that are like, I'm I'm good. I scaled to a hundred million dollars, and it was a walk in the park. But I haven't met a single founder that sh- shared that story yet. Right? Yeah, I was gonna say when you find that person, let me know. Yeah, I'll so, let you know. <laughs> yeah, so. What are some of the biggest challenges you faced in like, let's just talk about the funding route, like to, to find those, those backers that believe in you. Like, I mean, you went from, Hey, I'm, I'm doing event coordinating and I'm working with these companies to, I'm going to bring it into a tech play. I found my partner. Here we go. Here's my goal. Yeah. So, and reminds me also of your last question. I didn't finish the, the main um, thing that, gave us the opportunity to scale was the funding. 
But COVID happened, which interreacts with your recent question. Um, COVID had to change everything because Confetti was an in-person events company. That's what we raised our seed round on. We launched our beta for in-person events in January of 2020. And then like a few months later, COVID hit, which was really our biggest challenge at that time. And I got calls from people that were like, we were so sorry. You have been working on this company for, you know, five, seven years now, whatever it was. And, you know, events are dead. Like we're, you're not going to be able to get people together in a long time. And I think I, we were weirdly calm, me and my co-founder. I think a lot of it has to do that. At the time, the team was much smaller. So I'm very grateful for the fact that we hadn't really scaled yet. Like I can't imagine being in the same shoes without money or with a huge team. That's like a completely different ballpark of a challenge that isn't fun. Um, but we didn't have that. We just were like, all right, is virtual events like a thing? Are people interested in gathering together online? And I was really like, I don't know, I guess like blessed to find out, like really um, grateful to see that the human spirit really likes to constantly be together, to have a community, to come together. And like, it doesn't matter that a pandemic came and told all of us to physically separate apart. We still virtually wanted to come together. And that's really the essence of what Confetti is, is bringing people together. Now just our pivot was to, to virtual instead of in person. I love that. And you've done such a good job and your branding's on point. And it's, you know, you talk about being fun and, and bring that pleasure back in a, a company. And, you know, when, when we had remote staff all over the place, it's like, you know, and everybody's scared. Here you are being that light in the dark of like, hey, like, yeah, we're remote. Like we can't do the same cultural things as in a company that we used to do. So here's what we're going to do instead. And you, you've done some really cool stuff. Will you tell the Remote Start Nation more about what Confetti is, what you do, and, and is it for every size company or is it for a certain size company? Yeah. So um, Confetti is a platform that's used by this point, just about 6,000 companies to help um, primarily distributed teams plan really memorable virtual experiences. Um, our catalog is really rich. It has a, it's like a playground with different ideas and collections ranging from holiday parties, diversity, equity, and inclusion. February was Black History Month. March is Women's History Month. Uh, different types of activities of that nature. Um, all of our experiences are fully customizable. We have a happiness commitment, uh, making sure that really each booking that each person has with us is uh, personalized. It's risk-free. Um, and for, we adore, we really pride ourselves on an adored customer support team, an intuitive booking system, really allowing for super easy planning. Um, to answer your question, you know, we specialize in uh, teams right now that are a little bit on the larger side. Um, they can they can range, but we have teams as small as five people that use our platform. So it really is good for all uh, shapes and sizes. Uh, if, if y'all are curious, you can always visit us at withconfetti.com, but uh, we'll wait. Don't don't pause the podcast. <laughs> wait until after this. <laughs> so, so let's talk about a bigger size company that would use confetti. Are we, is it anybody that's planning an event? Is it anybody with a team? Like, and what do they do? What's, yeah. what, how do they get a hold of you? What do they, what's the process? Great question. So, Really on the platform, you have this playground where you can find the experience, fully customize it. 
find the date and time that you want and literally pay online. Um, something that I think is really interesting to talk about is that culture has so many different dimensions to it. So you have like team cultures, like those are the people that you usually spend your most intimate amount of time with. They're usually anywhere from, you know, five to 10, 12 people. Um, then you have your department, right? Your sales department, your marketing department. Uh, and that usually has, depends on the company size, but most of the time you're, you're like under a hundred people. Again, it really depends if you're talking about like a Google, a department yeah. can be much larger than that. And then you have your company-wide culture. Um, you also have cross-departmental cultures. You have affinity groups. You have like pr projects that you work on with certain teams or certain departments that are short-term for agile workforces. Each one of those has its own culture. So what we see is that if it's a small company, they end up most of the time doing experiences still all together, right? All 10, 20, 50, 100 employees. Once you get beyond that 100 employees, those teams and departments start kind of breaking off being a little bit more um, independent and they start yeah. formulating a little bit more of their own culture. And it's harder than at that point, you know, especially when you're a 1,000 or 10,000 person company to get everyone together at the same time. Um, so it's really important to invest in those smaller cultures where you're spending the most intimate amount of time with those people because we spend so much of our waking hours working. You know what right. I mean? Like our life is Monday through Friday working and we spend that time with our colleagues instead of our friends, instead of our family, instead of our significant others. And it's meaningful time that needs to get down, that also needs to have meaningful relationships and companies. That's really the, the journey that we're on, but it's also the journey that I see companies are on is really caring about that human connection that people are making in the workforce and making work a bit more fun for people to be in. That's awesome. So a company like mine that has under 10 employees around the, around the country, what are some things that I can do, whether it's on your platform or just even in my, like our weekly meetings or whatever it is to, to bring in more fun, to help build that, that company culture? Yeah. So uh, first of all, we have a collection on Confetti. It's fun and affordable. We literally have experiences as um, starting at $7 per person. So we really do try to awesome. be um, good for any any team size. And um, as for like free things that you can do, I think that the first big important part is just caring about culture. Like that's like step number one, looking at your employees as human beings and realizing like these are people with their traumas, their complexities. They they're just like us. Like we've got we've all got yeah. our, our problems, our goods, our bads, our uglies. And once we see each other for that, we can start to approach our relationships in that way. And I think every, you know, company can be a little bit different. So for example, with you, it could be like a, a once a week or once a month, you guys listen to a podcast together that you think is really cool. Like each person can say like this podcast this month was amazing. We should just spend dedicated time listening to it. Um, we have really amazing Slack channels um, and with all different types of interest groups. Um, one particularly that wouldn't necessarily work in maybe other companies, but one that works really well for us that our team really appreciates is our hot takes channel. Um, so we know that we're creating a very inclusive, silly environment at Confetti. So we're open to putting ourselves out there and like 
we can be silly. Like, what's your non-original like Oreo flavor that you like the most? And people will be like, oh, the mint one. And then other people will be like, mint, that's disgusting. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. So, yeah, I think, you know, each each their own. But Slack, the Slack channels are free. You can do it. And spending time with one another, just hanging out with a drink, without a drink, with food, without a food, and then building uh, a culture that's surrounded around your values, around your mission. And that's, I was going to ask that with the Slack channel. Is that something that came from you and your co-founder? Or was that something that the team said, hey, we should do this? Yeah, um, I think our, each one of our team members specifically like have created their own group. So like we have a very big Carrie Styles group and it's like fan group, <laughs> Confetti. So one of our employees started that one. I specifically awesome. did start Hot Takes because I love the game Waffles versus Pancakes. And like I've always found myself to find these like stupid little things that I find hilariously, you know, hilarious to like debate over. Yeah. And like, really heated debates in like the best ways about stupid things like whether peppermint should go in dessert or not whether it tastes like toothpaste and chocolate and people (laughs) very opinionated very quickly and it it brings a little sass to the workplace in the best way i swear both of those topics have been arguments between my two boys my two youngest at six and eight like they both have talked about mint and whether like my youngest, like he hates mint even on toothpaste. He won't do it. Yeah. But my eight-year-old's like, mint should be in everything. No, you got, it's, it's little moments. I think what it fosters, and this is something that we talk a lot about from like our value perspective is that we're all entitled to have different opinions and talk them through and giving ourselves a safe space to t- talk through any kinds of um, misunderstandings or any types of things that we don't agree on because we want to create a culture of speaking up. We want to say, I don't agree with you. Yeah. Taste that toothpaste. Mint and chocolate taste bad, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, so, and again, the the list, I could open it up. We have, maybe if we have time in the end, I, I can share with you some of the hilarious hot takes uh, that we've debated about. So I want to go back to, let's go back to scaling and, and, you know, you, you had this huge pivot where you were, you had to get in the text, but you had to go online and, and you were able to take something that was out of your control with the pandemic and you turn it into a, a great opportunity for you. And you said you, you worked really fast and it, it you know, it helped. You wouldn't want to be there if you had a, a, the team you are now. What were some of the challenges or, or even the way you approached it to make that pivot? Um, honestly, I'm like, what wasn't a challenge? <laughs> because everything right. in the moment felt really tough. So I'll give you like an example. COVID, COVID started. Um, we looked for virtual experiences online to sell because at the time we were like a classic marketplace where we would find third party vendors and we would take the best ones, and then we would sell their offerings on our platform. And go back to my love for art. um, I was looking, I was super uninspired about like what I was finding online. I was like, I want to create something. I want to create a game. And I remember bringing it up to my co-founder and he was like, Lee, you're crazy. Like we don't have any background in game design. What are you, what are you going to do? And I was like, just give me the weekend. I'm going to have fun. Like there's nothing else to do anyway. So like, what the hell? 
Um, And I thought to myself, like the virtual, like our escape room, escape rooms were very popular before the pandemic. And so I was like, what happens if I can create a, a virtual escape room? And the challenge of not having any virtual experiences to sell transformed to we built our own virtual experiences. And that now is one of the fundamental like foundations of confetti that has made us successful because it allows us to take a higher take rate on our because we own the content and it's just like netflix originals um where netflix you know had third-party content that it was licensing and to increase its margins to really create what people wanted to see because it had great data off of what people really like to see they started creating their own shows and movies and so like we want to create our own games. We want to create our own experiences. We want control over the quality of the experience from end to end in order to make sure that it's really good. Um, so that's definitely one. I think the, I don't know if we want to pause there for a second and before I go on a million other challenges. <laughs> no, I want to hear more. The one thing I want to point out though is like, as soon as you said you sat down and challenged yourself, I'm like, oh, that goes back to her art background. That goes back to her you know, in, in high school, when she wanted to get that top AP, that art, like you went and did it, you went and figured it out and you solved it. And same with the, same with the uh, escape room. So go ahead. That's the only thing I wanted to point out. Thanks, Jim. I appreciate that. Um, so, I mean, the, the other thing, and it's still to me, one of the, the hardest challenges that exists to date. And it's such a, like a weird broken system that I don't know what the solution is. Maybe that's another startup idea that someone else who's listening can, can take on, but Hiring people and hiring good people is the hardest thing that any business will have to do. I mean, it's so yeah. hard to to work with people, first of all. Like, everyone will be like, so easy to work with myself. But no, we all know we're all. <laughs> yeah. um, but it's really hard to work with people. It's really hard to figure out who's actually good, who's not. I've had employees that I thought that they were going to be rock stars from the interview, ended up being duds. I've had certain employees that I put on a PIP, um, performance improvement plan, and they ended up being rock star employees zooming yeah. forward you know, three, six months later. I've had other people that I kept on putting on PIPs and I'm like, damn, why didn't you fire them six months ago? Yeah. So that I think is like the hard, one of the hardest parts about building a business is that you have to trust your team members to take your vision and bring it to life. And you don't have control over everything that they do, how they do it. And you want every person to treat their work and profession as an art with like this responsibility that they took to give value, you know, to whoever they're interacting with. But the world isn't always working that way. That's so true. It reminds me, it goes back to, you know, finding that right person. And you went through a hundred interviews before you found your co-founder. And you know, that's a lot. That's a lot to go through to to find the the right person, but you did it and you're you're at where you are today because you you two are obviously an incredible team. Yeah. I think what's I allowed myself to interview as many people as I did for that role because I'm like, this is my co-founder. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I'm basically married with this guy. Like for, you know, at the time I didn't know if it was going to be a guy or gal, but I'm going to get married to this person an undefined amount of time it's now we've we've been together for five years and i say together we're not <laughs> we're physically together. Oh, my business partner and i tease each other we're, yeah we're like oh we're business couples we're we're a married couple in business he really is my my work husband and uh, yeah i 
it's a deep relationship. I mean, I'm sure that him and I in many times have spent more time together working on confetti than, you know, he got certain hours with his significant other that those days, those weeks, those months. And that just shows like what how important it is to choose the people that are around you. But I think it also comes back into why we built Confetti, because it's really hard to build on those relationships. And it's so easy sometimes to give up on people really quickly. And when people take a job, I want to believe that they come with the hope that their life is also going to be better. And it's also going to be like change for the best, like that the thing that they had in their last job, that toxic boss, that bad pay, whatever it is that they left is in the spirit of doing something better and something new. And we forget that when we're in those difficult moments with an employee and we're like, you know, rah, rah. And uh, they also try, like they're trying. Everyone is putting themselves in a vulnerable situation. For sure. What are some of the things uh, just with scaling in general? Like we talked about people a little bit. I know that's such a hard thing with it, whether you have just a couple employees or you know, like in your case now, 60 and, up and over, but what are some of the other things, the challenges that you saw with, with scaling and getting to your size? Um, so I'll say that, that in many ways, I think that we were very lucky. Um, but I don't know if lucky is actually the right word. Um, because confetti has a, until to like to date had a 100% inbound approach. That means all 6,000 customers came to us. We didn't, we don't have wow. a sales team. We don't have like an outbound motion. Um, yeah, which is like a whole different, like weird. <laughs> it's incredible. Um, and I think when, when you do something like that, you really need to get essentially product market fit aligned. We, we had a pain point. I've been in the industry for, as I said, about 10 years. I know my customers' pain points. I know them inside and out more than our regular, I think, competitor that became like a COVID company over the past two years because they didn't get to know our customers and all the logistics and intricacies of this business as deeply as we got to know it over just the quantity of time that we got. So um, I don't know if that that answers your question, but for sure. Product market fit helps with scale because once you figure that out, the rest can often come easier. You still got to work. Um, and 2023 and 2022 is a sign that like, not that our luck has run out, but in 2021, 100% of all companies were virtual companies. 2022, that number dropped to 20% because 20% of companies are now uh, virtual companies and uh, yeah. about 100% are hybrid. Um, so you really have to work for your customers now, but events are very viral by nature. If you think about it, you're one person that is exposing confetti to a group of people that you're inviting. And from those group of people, they're experiencing confetti in a very intimate way, right? During that one hour, they have a core memory that's going to be, which is what we work to building, like helping, like literally building people's positive core memories at work. And um, all of a sudden they have this memory and they're like, that was fun. Like, we haven't taken a break like that. Or I never got to meet my boss like that. Or I thought my boss was a jerk. And then I played coworker feud with him. And now I'm like, oh, he's not so bad. That's awesome. Honey, (laughs) whatever else. 
to bring that into an environment, a workplace environment, like you said, is of something that we're at more than we're at home with our, or, you know, spending the time with our families. That's, that's gotta be so rewarding for you. Absolutely. I, I feel like, you know, in a world where you could be selling guns and oil or whatever else uh, is available. T-shirts. Yeah. A lot of, <laughs> well, you know, I gotta do it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you there it's important i think to not just it's so easy i think there's so many uh instagram and social media has put this reality in front of people where it's like easy to get rich and like all these get rich quick schemes that are total bogus and success is hard that's just the reality and i think that you will find more fulfillment when you find um a pain point that you and you want to solve that pain point and the value that you want to create and it's a positive value you are a um you are a contributor to society as opposed to a detractor to society and i think if all of us can be a bit more of a contributor we'll leave the world a better place than when we came in i love that that's huge remote star nation if you didn't hear that rewind it and listen to that Lee, our time is coming to an end, unfortunately. I've got one more question for you. But first, I know you already said it once, but if, if anybody listening wants to reach out and be a part of your platform or even reach out to you, where, where can they find you? So if you want to book an experience on Confetti, you can visit us at withconfetti.com, W-I-T-H, confetti.com. Um, I really love connecting with the entrepreneurial community. I um, I know I'm I'm very busy lately, but I still welcome anyone and everyone to reach out to me. Um, my LinkedIn, I believe, is uh, Ruben L. Like that's the kind of um, username that you can find me on. And I don't know, Jim, can we send you a link? Is there going to be like absolutely? A link there'll be a link in the, there'll be a link in the show notes. Perfect. So link in the show notes, um, but follow me on LinkedIn um, and or if you reach out to Confetti and ask my uh, employees for for what you're looking for, I would be happy. I know that they're they're re required to send all those emails over to me and I will uh, get through them. But I would love to help any of you all through your journey, answer any questions, be a mentor, a supporter, a cheerleader in any uh, which way possible. You're incredible. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Likewise. Thanks, Jim, for having me. Absolutely. All right. Last question for the Remote Star Nation. What is the one thing you want to leave with them that is is super important that's either helped you out or something you want to make sure they don't forget in their business journey? Uh, I think that the number one trick to pretty much anything that you're going to do with business, whether it's sales or recruiting or fundraising, is uh, you need to build on confidence. So whatever it is that you need to do to help make yourself feel good, uh, do that. And you'll be on, on your way to something good. That's incredible. Remote Star Nation, I hope you learned as much as I did from Lee today. and can put some of the value you learned into work for you. From the bottom of my heart, thank you for joining us on this journey as we help you to start a business, grow your brand, and create your desired lifestyle. Remember, leave a comment, subscribe, and share this episode with your community who you think could learn from what you heard today. Till next time, go start something, start it today, and go build the lifestyle you desire by taking action. We've come to the end of another episode. I wanna thank you for allowing me to share my passion of bringing people together through business and branding in hopes to connect you with your community.
I'd also like to thank our sponsor, Woodward Movement, the leader in brand identity, branded merchandise, and brand delivery. Check out our remotestartpodcast.com for more episodes and our social channels to join the conversation, access show notes, and discover our fantastic free resources to help you build a strong community for your business. I'm Jim Doyon. Thank you for connecting.